kissing would be nice, yes? I'm sorry! I'm sorry, I'm sorry! I, I did not mean to scare you, I... Wait, no, no, no! Wait, hold on! Ah! You have a very strong arm, princess. Okay, please! Put Here we go! Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast.gmail.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, uh, we are back uh, grilling on some Disney characters. Yep, it is my... All-time favorite thing to do because, you know, Disney's all about the good vibes, the good feelings, the magical days. But sometimes it's really fun to lean into these characters, lean into these situations and talk about why they're maybe not so magical or maybe not the best. And having joined us on the last time and coming back to help us decide who is truly the worst Disney character is Eric and Alyssa. Welcome back, you two. Hello, hello. It's good to be back, and we're ready to roast. Totally. Uh, natural gas oven is burning. I'm ready to roast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Eric, we talked about your your Stitch costume last time. We talked about how you owned one of the top 16 worst Disney characters of all time, as told by Mouse Madness Costumes. <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, we're we're past Halloween, but now I'm stuck on it. I am very much stuck on it. I want to hear what have maybe been some of your two worst Halloween costumes. I can go first. I won in first grade the funniest costume in the school Halloween parade. And I was a store-bought Pokemon. <laughs> like, I don't even remember what Pokemon it was. But apparently it was funny enough to win the funniest uh, costume award. Like, what an insult. I feel like the the thing I loved about the Stitch costume was, not to put your business out there, Kyle, like, everyone loves, like, a multiple arm costume. Like, <laughs> costumes that I move these arms as do like two other sets of arms. So if I like scratch my head, <laughs> yeah, they're coming the with stitch, you. <laughs> but I feel like that that made for that to be a fun costume. I can't think of any really terrible costume. All of Alyssa's costumes were handmade by her mother. Well, there was one that comes to mind looking back. I think I was in like I don't know fifth grade where I was Miss Chinatown, like winner of like a pageant. I'm not Chinese, um, <laughs> but. My dad had bought like a like Chinese dress from uh-huh. from China, so at least it was from there. But looking back, I'm like, that's cultural appropriation. But we didn't know any better. I was a child, and it was a cute dress. But now I know better, so that's my terrible costume. We'll give it a pass. We'll give it a pass. I, I, I kind of have one that I guess didn't age well um, in kind of a different way. My senior year at UCSB. 
my final Halloween. I was like, I got to go out with something, something good. So, uh, it was a very thrown together costume, but it was one that got so many laughs and it was James Gelb who, uh, I don't know if, if you know who Gelb is, no. Kyle, uh, but if you oh, were yes, the a, a resident of, <laughs> you were a resident <laughs> of Isla Vista in like the two thousands up until like 2019, uh, and you lived on Del Playa, you probably know who James Gelb is. He was a very, very abusive, awful, terrible, horrible person who was a landlord of so many of those properties. <laughs> and, uh, he had a, like a very trademark outfit. It was a polo tucked into some khakis. And <laughs> so, that's what I wore. And I, I had a sticker that said, hi, I'm Gelb. And uh, I would just yell at people because that's what James Gelb did. Um, yeah. James, James Gelb was the worst, much like many of our I mean, James Gelb was like bad in ways that are like, like legally he was like, yeah, like go on YouTube and type in James Gelb and like there's some really bad stuff on there. Yeah, he he was the definition of actually the worst as opposed (laughs) to this fun worst. Um, But let's hope that our our next segment here definitely isn't the worst because we are talking spoonful of sugar. So, Chris, what are you drinking this week? I sort of like cheated my little alternating pattern of like bad beer good beer bad beer good beer i was like i need to get back-to-back good beers here so i went with one that i knew i already like and kyle and eric and Alyssa, i have not had this beer since returning to california but it is my favorite beer of all time so i was like i think it's time i think now is the time to drop in this beer and it is 805 from Classic. firestone tried i mean and it's true. just it's just tried it it's i mean it, it's another Santa Barbara shout out. Like I'm, this is my first sip of 805 since being a California resident again. And let me just let me just take it in for a second. Mm, that's oh baby, <laughs> oh so baby, it's, I I just need a Woodstock's pizza and oh yeah, that's it. We're I'm good. Back. Is We're 805 back. is 805 Santa Barbara or San Luis Obispo? Because it's like <laughs> cent, yeah, it's like Central Coast California. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I went to Cal Poly and people they have eight Woodstocks and 805 as our own, but. That's right. I forgot sure. you all didn't know she's a Cal Poly. This is a Cal yeah. Poly. Yeah. Yeah. Cal yeah. Poly Mustang. You know the Go vibes Mustang. then. You know the <laughs> yeah. vibes. I can't drink beer, but I know the vibes. <laughs> the last time we were in Ivy, we did go to Woodstocks though. So that was nice. So we, that's, Stocks. I think that was the first time I ever had 805 too. That's, that's really cool. No, there you go. Can't go wrong. Uh, Kyle, what do you got? I have another uh, hazy IPA, which is not as juicy and easy drinking as the Candlestick Chronicles, Kyle Madsen's own namesake of a beer. Uh, mine is a, a Armistice Brewing Co. beer, and it's called Juice Som. J-O-O-S-S-O-M-M. Uh, Armistice is from Richmond, California, so here in the Bay Area. This is one of those more citrusy ones, a little bit heavier of a of a hazy. Not my favorite thing in the world. I'm kind of getting away from the hazy lifestyle unless it's closer to the juicy side of things. This is definitely more citrusy, but um, I have this one and one more in the fridge, so I'm going to have to get through them at some point. So I decided to do it now. <laughs> Eric and Alyssa, what have you got? 
Um, my margarita from last week was. Have you ever had a margarita that hits so hard at last a week? Oh, <laughs> that happens to me every time we do this podcast. Actually. <laughs> so my margarita from last week is still in me somehow. <laughs> Metabolically, I'm not sure how that happens. Alyssa's <laughs> taking shots of moonshine. No. Oh. Now no, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm. I, well, you can't see it on camera, but I'm drinking Wild Side cider um, brewed in San Jose. No, it's a wonderful cider, and it was available at the liquor store 700 feet away. So <laughs> we are supporting local businesses today. <laughs> there you go. That's all you need. This podcast just became like California. This is dripping in California all of a sudden, you know, and like I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> this is a very niche intro to this uh, part two oh, of this bracket. We're really, really segmenting our audience here, but that's all right because we're going to segment them a little bit more with everyone's not so favorite part of the show. It is the pull of the pod. We're pulling Upper Deck 50th Anniversary Disneyland cards in the search for Mr. Tom Morrow. He was an animatronic figure in rocket ships trip to the moon and interventions. I never actually know what that that ride's called. I've forgotten after having to say it so many times. We only have a handful of packs left, and it is time to see if this is the one in which we find them. I don't even know what I'm going to do. If he's not there, no. If he if he is there, like oh. I need to like do a lap around my building or shotgun a eight oh five. Yeah, we might have to pause the the episode and pick this back up later on because we got some celebration. To do. I'm gonna chug Mr. <laughs> chug my kraken. <laughs> oh man! All right, first card is not Tom Morrow, so keep the kraken away. It is 1979's big mountain, big, big Thunder Mountain Railroad. <laughs> You did it again, dude. Big the last thunder. time I pulled this, last time I pulled this, I said Big Mountain Thunder, and I did it again. I won't even edit it out. Uh, so since I said that, you know that we've gotten this one before. Next one up, we've also gotten before. This is going to be a dud of a pack, there, Chris. Uh, 1955's Dumbo the Flying Elephant, Dumbo Junior, Dumbo Junior, <laughs> Elephants on Parade. Next up, we've got uh, the Great Moments partner statue. <laughs> oh, it looks so much like him. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Except uh, he looks a little bit more alive now because he's dead. <laughs> Walt Disney's dead. Who cares what he thinks? Is Next he up is uh, frozen. I feel like is that just a rumor? Is that like the Mandela effect? It's it's definitely something that's gone al- around. <laughs> Next up, 1955's Golden Horseshoe <laughs> Saloon, <laughs> which oh is what God. we've got. That's still around. Still around. Still sure is. They used um, to serve mozzarella sticks and they were really good, <laughs> but they don't anymore. The uh, the history of the shows that was in here is very interesting. If you're if you're into like Disney Parks history, it's an interesting article you can look up online. Um, and then that means Mr. Tom Morrow's not in this pack, but oh. our attraction poster of the pack is a is a fun one. It is Dumbo the Flying Elephant. <laughs> Double. Oh wow, two double dumbs. Dumb, yeah. Double dumbo. Double dumbs out here. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've seen that poster before. Neither have I. That's why I was I'm just looking honest. at it. It is a it's a pink card uh with Dumbo. And it's not even like Dumbo in his like in or one of the Dumbos in the different colored hats on the ride. He has the like air pilot goggles on the top of his head. Uh he's taking flight. Above or below him is the carousel, 
and then uh yeah fantasy fantasyland disneyland so this is pretty cool i like this poster um i don't i'm like chris i've never seen it before um and you might not either because i don't know if i'm gonna end up posting it because i've fallen behind on posting these things to instagram but none of them are tomorrow and that's all that matters so we will be back next time next bracket with a fresh how many new pack. how many were yet how many we got left four we two? have we have four we have two <laughs> brackets worth of picking <laughs> these things so by the end of 2021 what are we in 2021 <laughs> by the end of 2021 we'll know if uh, mr tom morrow has shown up but uh it's not looking good for us <laughs> uh, wow all right. Well, uh, just to remind everyone where we're at with our worst Disney characters bracket, uh, we we did a demographic to get our original field of 16, and that was the loudest person in your party at Disneyland. We all know them. We all yep. love them. They serve a very, very important purpose in your party at Disneyland. Uh, Got to have that noise. Got to have that energy. <laughs> we asked those people, what is the worst Disney character. They came up with a field of 16 that we went through last episode. We're down to a round of eight and we'll pick up the bracket with the number one seed Peter Pan versus number nine Olaf. Number four Prince Naveen from Princess and the Frog versus number five C-3PO from Star Wars. Number 15 Iago upset Aladdin in the first round and Iago will take on number seven Charlie Calvin from the Santa Claus (laughs) films. And then to round out the round of eight, we've got number three, Geppetto from Pinocchio versus number six, Judy Hopps from Zootopia. Let's start things off with number one, Peter Pan versus number nine, Olaf. This is it for me. Yep. This is the matchup. This is the finals. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> this is my personal finals. All of these other people, I will take over these two. So I, I, I honestly, at this point, am not decided. So let's just talk it out a little bit. Please. Uh, so we talked about Peter Pan a lot or you talked about Peter Pan a lot, Kyle, on the last episode about yep. how he is a kidnapper. <laughs> he shows up at the beginning of the movie, and I had never, I don't, I don't know that I've never seen the shot before or I just didn't really realize it was there. He like comes down into the darkness and he looks down and sees uh, Nana, the dog outside. And there's like this like glow on his face and he like grins like the Cheshire cat. And yeah. it's, it's like a, it's creepy, very like malicious looking face that he makes in that to- moment. Oh yeah. Like he's up to no good. He'd be, he'd be plotting. Mm-hmm. I'm um, still these kids. <laughs> so he steals. So yeah, he takes the kids. Uh, he gets them to fly away from their little uh, nursery. You mentioned that he kind of like leaves them to their own devices. He's like, I'm going to fly. You figure it out, all right? Think of Christmas. Think of snow. He's like, whatever you got to do. Think of snow. I don't know. What, of I don't know what you think about. It's none of my business. <laughs> um, but he also does like steal some pixie dust from Tink, who like clearly does not want to engage in this situation whatsoever. He like grabs her and like smacks her. Yep. And non-consensual gets the pixie dust in. Yep. And she and then she dips out of there. She's like, "That was rude. I'm out of this. I'm out of this scene." Uh, you mentioned his attitudes towards women. His relationship with women is a little bit, it's not ambiguous in some ways, but it is ambiguous in, in some ways. It's not ambiguous that he does not have a good attitude towards them, but I can't tell 
in some cases, like what what's implied romance and like what is just friendship. So so we see him with Wendy and you get the sense that like Wendy maybe has a crush on Peter at the, at the very least. We don't I don't know for sure that it like goes both ways. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's kind of like that that childlike innocence of Peter that's being played into where it's like he probably doesn't even know what having a crush is and feels like you know oh, like he, i think we do because tiger lily gets up in his face when she's well, dancing and he i think uh, that was the moment turns into horny boy <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was the moment <laughs> <laughs> that was peter pan's awakening was, was right there um and he decides to let out a very racist sound in that moment yeah so we've got wendy we've got tiger lily we've got tink who I, I always kind of thought their relationship was a little bit ambiguous. You mentioned that they have probably been together for a very long time. Mm-hmm. What type of relationship that is, I don't know. There seems to be something more going on there, though. At least one way. I know, like, Tink is obviously very jealous. That's where her anger comes from in the beginning of the film and why she, like, convinces the Lost Boys to attempt to kill her. <laughs> but um, I don't know if... Peter's just playing dumb, doesn't realize it. I don't it's I don't think that he is mature enough to recognize that he might be leading Tinkerbell on and that's sure, why Sure. she gets so upset. I feel that. Um and then you've got the mermaids. And the mermaids to me are the worst one because he shows up at this mermaid lagoon and they're like, "Peter, we've missed you, man." And he's like, "All right, well, you want to hear a story about me?" as told by me yep it's just so like dude get over yourself (laughs) the mermaids end up going for wendy and they try to pour into drown her they're (laughs) only trying to drown her and like yeah peter says he's like come on wendy they're just having some fun yeah (laughs) don't worry like don't worry about that don't don't sweat it you could like, have died, but don't sweat you it. Just, you, you just you just kidnapped this girl to come to Neverland. This is you brought her here, bro. Yep. You have to be conscious of like her familiarity with this new land. <laughs> exactly. You can't just be like, figure it out. Like has that ever happened to you where like someone your friend brings you to a party where you don't know anyone and then they like peace and it's like, thank oh, you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Awesome. This. Now I'm just gonna be here getting drowned by mermaids in the corner. Thanks so much. It's exactly the same situation. (laughs) And like, that's the thing with Peter is he is incredibly selfish. Like that, like that I think is, is my like main takeaway from Peter Pan. Um, And, and I think the, the moment that it is the most noticeable to me is in his first matchup with Captain Hook when they're in, I think it's Skull Rock, right? Mm-hmm. And Tiger Lily, they've kidnapped Tiger Lily and he's like duking it out with Captain Hook and he mercs Captain Hook and then he he like goes to like leave and Wendy's like, Pete, what about Tiger Lily? Like yep. literally the entire reason we came here was to rescue Tiger Lily. And Peter's like, oh, Tiger Lily. <laughs> like Peter, this isn't just about you and your own personal glory. <laughs> like this whole operation was to save somebody else. Exactly. And so like that just it's in those moments where you go, this person clearly has no awareness of how anyone else feels at any time. Uh, Peter doesn't want anyone coming back to Neverland. He was like, once you leave, you're not coming back. 
mm-hmm. once you grow up, you're not coming back. No grown ups allowed. Okay, so then how did Captain Hook get there? Okay, so how did all of the pirate people get there? <laughs> Explain that, Pete. I, I there are grown ups in Neverland. There are. We see we've seen plenty of them. So that doesn't make sense. Do you uh, think here's a here's a theory. We've we've right. done a lot of theories before, and okay. here's one for you. So do we think that like Peter is actually super, super young and Captain Hook is just like a teenager? But because we're watching this through the lens of Peter Pan, like you know how when you're a small child, you think that like a 13-year-old looks like a 25-year-old, like that could be an adult. I wonder if we're looking at it through that lens in which like we're very, very young looking at this older teenager in Captain Hook and that's who that character is. He's not actually like this old adult good dude. He's just like a teenager. Oh, absolutely. I think I think that's in play. I mean, when I was in kindergarten, I th- still to this day, I feel like my sixth grade buddy who was like 11 was a 30 year old man. <laughs> Maybe it was, and you need to go get go back on that and make that sure is true. that go that check is that true. out. That is true. Um, <laughs> so we've got all that selfishness. Uh, <laughs> this is a small thing, but he takes a rip. He takes a rip from the pipe, and it is oh, like yeah. it is like the smallest hit <laughs> ever. It is like. It is like the hit you take when you like don't want anyone to notice that like you're not smoking. So you just like pretend a little bit and like don't even inhale. You just go. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Pete, Pete can't hang. Just say you don't want any, Peter. Like, just yeah, be it's okay. You can say that you don't want to hit the, the pipe, Pete. You don't have to do it. We don't believe in peer pressure. <laughs> smoke this or we have a problem (laughs) um the thing that like especially irks me about peter pan is that he does not come around in the end he agrees Mm. to take the children home but we never get him after the fact saying i didn't want you to go home i took you home and now that you're home i realize i still want you to come back yeah, I think that his like one redeeming moment in that film is when he actually no, it's not even him. Never mind, I got confused. It's when he's trying to o- he's opening the present and it's a bomb. It's Tinkerbell who sacrifices herself to to get it blowed up, and then Peter goes to rescue the kids. So yeah, no, he's a he's a piece of. <laughs> so Peter Pan is going up against Olaf. <laughs> Which, uh, yes, Olaf is annoying. So let's count the ways. Uh, Please. Olaf, um, in, in Frozen 1, Olaf is, is tolerable to me. Believe it or not. Okay. I walked away from the first Frozen movie being like, I think Olaf is, is kind of funny. Uh, Olaf gets a song in Frozen 1 called In Summer, which is decent. I think it's a decent song. It's funny. Um, it comes in kind of a lull in the movie, so it's not extremely uh, intrusive. And Josh Gad is a really great performer, and I think he knocks it out of the park with this song in particular. Olaf is the physical manifestation of the love between Elsa and Anna. Right. And in Frozen, the Broadway musical, uh, which 
teaser for all of you Mouse Madness listeners, we will talk about more in detail on the next episode. Frozen, the Broadway musical, slows down the creation of Olaf a lot. Hmm. And that is like a scene in itself at the very beginning when they're two little girls and they're building Olaf together. And they're talking about building the snowman and uh, the love that they're putting into it. It's kind of like a mixture of like Elsa's powers and Anna's sense of humor. And uh, when Olaf comes back to life and is reintroduced into the story, it is it is a very like heartwarming mel- moment um, to see him come to life. In the movie, it's kind of a throwaway line at the beginning when they're like, oh, here's a snowman. Hi, my name's Olaf and I like warm hugs. And that's it. And like, if you weren't, if you weren't paying close attention or haven't seen the movie a ton of times, you might miss that really important aspect of Olaf's character. Yes. Right. I, I know, I know that I missed it the yeah, first I time too. I saw it. I was like, oh, I was just like a funny snowman guy. <laughs> he, they, just they found. <laughs> he just showed up. <laughs> but he, but he serves an important role in the first Frozen movie and he gets the line. He gets the line that is the thesis statement of Frozen some people are worth melting for. And he melts. And like that is such a powerful scene in Frozen. And it's, it's made even more powerful by how goofy and obnoxious Olaf is because he slows it down. And Josh Gad brings it back down to here to have a serious conversation. And you have this ridiculous snowman saying these profound things about love. And it's like, dude, Olaf is spitting the truth here. And it, and, it, and it makes it seem more powerful of a moment. So in the end, Frozen 1, Olaf is, is fine. I give him a pass. That being said, Frozen 2, Olaf, everything goes off the rails for me. Uh, the, the change they make in his character where he has become like self-aware and he is a know-it-all teenager that whole gag misses me. Like, I don't get it. I don't know if some people find that funny, but I, I don't get the joke if there's one there. It's that he has now been alive long enough to experience the world and is realizing that he's not as naive as in summer, Olaf. He's learning a little bit more about life. He gets old. He gets old. <laughs> Uh, so I, I mean, the whole I, gag, every gag in the first movie is him experiencing things for the first time, right? He's like, it's the fish out of water. It's the fish out of water. And we talk about the fish out of the water a lot on this podcast. And where does, where does the fish out of water fit in this very like emotionally charged story about a woman who is having very difficult emotional problems in trying to like run away from everything and her sister giving all she has to save her. Like this is a, this is a very powerful story, and so like, where does the talking snowman fit into that? Sure. Um, and like, that's what I think about when I think about Frozen. It's it's funny, but it is a very heavy thematic type of like story that we deal with, and it, and it's even dialed up a lot in Frozen Two. Everything is a little bit darker. They're really trying to get to the bottom of everything, and everyone is tested in in ways that are much more difficult than in the first movie. And we have them going off on this adventure, and Olaf decides to do random fun fact trivia and brings up things like, did you know gorillas burp when they're happy? And did you know that wombats poop squares? Yeah, and that turtles breathe out of their butts. This is, and those are direct quotes from Olaf in Frozen 2. <laughs> yes. 
when, when we are trying as hard as we can to set up the tone in this movie and that tone is dark and it is intimidating and it is challenging and like Olaf just does not fit in there. I did not watch Olaf frozen adventure. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't oh, need it. it. I don't <laughs> need it. Like I, I know it's like 20 minutes or whatever. <laughs> I would rather use those 20 minutes doing so many other things than watching <laughs> Olaf's Frozen Adventure. I just don't need it. Jeez. It, it really, really pains me to do this. But I think I still have to go with Peter Pan. Um, Olaf is the worst. And like he makes me so mad, like personally. But I think that you can always bring it back to he is a snowman that was literally just created and he has no filter, no sense of awareness, no frontal cortex like Eric was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) Peter Pan, like it, like we said last week might be a thousand years old and still has not like learned (laughs) anything about life along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think you summed it up. Well, I don't think that I had Olaf moving past Peter Pan here. I think that, Peter Pan is just his character is built around being the worst. And that's how they help to tell the story of growing up. Like Wendy sees this like romanticized, I don't want to become an adult. I never want to grow up. And then she experiences what happens when you don't grow up. And it's all of this absolute madness. And she doesn't want any part of it. And I think that's the storyline that we get at the end is that she's happy to be back and she's happy to she's happy to move out of the nursery and she's happy to, you know, be back home with her parents. And so I think that is um, more important than like a re- any redeeming quality that Peter might find, which he never does. So he's definitely the worst. I agree with you. Um, bye bye, snowman, Eric and Alyssa. What do you guys think? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I'm looking forward in the, the matchups. I agree with you. It's, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to find who could possibly beat Peter Pan. It'll be interesting to see who goes forward each of these steps because we got, we got like a, a pervert and a psychopath. And like, <laughs> we got to, we got to top that somehow. So yeah, I think Peter Pan should move forward. Alyssa? Yeah, I think we're in unanimous agreement there. All right. Wait, who's the pervert and who's the psychopath? I guess I'm calling Peter Pan both of those. So I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> okay. die on that hill. Okay. I was both. like looking and I'm like, is C3PO a pervert? <laughs> and is Charlie Calvin a psychopath? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In fact, he is. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this next Elite Eight matchup. It's number four, Prince Naveen versus number five, C3PO. This is a good one. I like to use this moment. I like to, to use my time here at the podium. To recite some of the worst C-3PO quotes that I could find oh, in the baby. catalog. Oh, baby. <laughs> R2-D2, you know better than to trust a strange computer. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Thanks, C-3PO. That's you. He, uh, <laughs> somehow, as if this is going back to what Chris had brought up last time, where the actor felt like C-3PO needs to be an every star wars thing he somehow sneaks his way into rogue one when he finds out that everyone's going to scarif and he says scarif they're going to scarif why does nobody tell me anything well i can tell you c3po because you're the worst (laughs) that's why nobody tells you anything 
I mentioned him getting dragged along the sand, and he literally says, this is such a drag. Makes me want to die a little bit every time I hear that line. His, like, random rants or insults go on for too long. So, like, when he is being put back together, or no, when he is being put into a backpack, I think, by Chewie, he says, wait, wait, oh my, what have you done? I'm backwards. You flea-bitten furball. Only an overgrown mop head like you would be stupid enough. No one thinks that your insults are good or clever or funny, C-3PO. You're just really, really annoying. When you brought up like him always telling the the odds or or giving stating the facts, he he tells Han that when the Millennium Falcon lands on that like asteroid when they're evading where whatever they're evading. I'm a huge Star Wars guy, so I I know I know my facts here. But when they're in the <laughs> Millennium Falcon, they land on that asteroid and they like find that like asteroid monster or whatever. I know what you're talking about. Thank you. I know. I'm a big Star Wars guy. I know how to describe it. Um, he <laughs> says factually, sir, it's quite possible this asteroid is not entirely stable. And Han's like, you yes, shut up dude like you don't need to be saying everything and so are we as the audience we're saying stop we don't want but this you is another this is what i'm getting at is like why did they bring him he's not a person he's a droid why are you treating him like a person where you go c-3po has to make it like th- like if this was a real military operation and they were trying to like escape the rebel base at hoth they would be like leave the droid yeah like leave him like dude put a grenade in his hand and march him towards the empire. And like, that would be a great way for him to go out be like, this this will serve more purpose to us than you coming along and doing whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. And we're supposed to be sitting through all of that and feel bad when Babu Frick has to wipe his memory and like effectively kill who he is. That was the stupidest thing ever. It was the best thing because we got Babu Frick out of it, but it was the most like forceful, like, let's try and make these hardcore Star Wars fans cry by killing this character that's been in literally every single Star Wars thing because his actor has forced him to be um, since the beginning of time. So, yeah, C-3PO, obviously, I am very, very anti. Prince Naveen, yeah, I think he's awful. he i think he does end up having a like a redeeming moment kind of like aladdin at the end in which he realizes that like love is greater than money like that is kind of his arc is that he he becomes selfless in the end um and essentially tries to like sacrifice himself for for tiana and then ends up going through with the marriage not for money because tiana doesn't have that she's the opposite of that she needs money to open her restaurant but marries her and loves her out of like true love which is going back to kind of that you know that disney renaissance love conquers all sort of mantra that they were trying to to reinvoke in order to start that new wave of disney animation films so Prince Naveen, like, his character is just the worst for basically the entire movie until that kind of climactic ending. But C-3PO is the worst 
through and through until the end. There's not really anything redeeming about him. So I agree with everything you're saying about uh, C-3PO. And I also agree with what you say about Naveen, how he is uh, redeemed a little bit. Um, kind of like in addition to his like wealthiness thing that Naveen has going for him is, is his work ethic thing. So he's like, a, he is a character foil for Tiana in that way. Tiana sure. is like, I don't have any money and I want to work really hard. And Naveen is, I have a lot of money and I don't want to do anything at all. And there's obviously the mention at the beginning that Naveen doesn't have any money and he doesn't have any money because he is really irresponsible with the way he spends his money. He uh, is like the first scene we see him, he's dancing in the street and he's like telling people he's going to buy everyone drinks, which is a major turnt boy energy, but also like major person who doesn't have a lot of money energy. It's like, you're, right. That's, that's so much money. Like to buy 20 people <laughs> drinks. That is so much money, dude. Yeah. And we learned that his parents cut him off. So like he was never even wealthy. It was his parents and his parents were like, you're an idiot. You need to go get a job. And they cut him off. And now here he is trying to finagle his way into marrying money. Right. He says, they cut me off for being a leech. <laughs> His words, exactly. Um, and, but he, like, like the money is one thing, but he also has this big ego on him too that like makes him so unlikable. Tiana says, you've been chasing chambermaids around your ivory tower and he's like, actually, it's polished marble. Like, <laughs> dude, shut up. This is so obnoxious. And like, not only that, he has this like ego about himself as like a romantic physical specimen. He right. says all, all women enjoy the kiss of Prince Naveen, which is like a very arrogant thing to say. There is an upside to his character a little bit. It's definitely not the like fun guy character. And, and like, there's a way to make the fun guy character likable. Uh, case in point, Johnny Tsunami, Grandpa Johnny Tsunami, <laughs> who like he's he's the foil of like Johnny Capahala's dad, where he's like it's not all about money. Um, so like there's there's kind of like different ways you can frame that fun guy character, and like Naveen is like the the fun guy, and it's a fault. Uh, but the the upside upside is that his attitude like encourages other people to believe that anything is possible, right? Because Naveen is constantly walking around with the attitude of like, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> like, I don't have to worry about me not having money right now because I'm going to do what I have to do and everything's going to be fine. And we, the audience are kind of like, dude, it's not going to be fine. Like you need to get it together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he really doesn't see it that way. And that rubs off on some of the friends that he meets along the way. For example, Louie, the trumpet playing alligator is like, there's no way I'm ever going to perform with the greats up on stage there. And Naveen's like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, you're <laughs> never going to make it with that attitude. Like, you can do it. And then he joins them along on the journey. So, like, there is a little bit of upside. And then even just, like, sidebar, because we don't talk about Louis ever, but when he tells him that, he's like, well, I tried. And we get that flashback of him trying to join the band on the riverboat. <laughs> I'm surprised that has not been a meme like created at some point where it's like this screenshot of like him diving off of the boat and then like all of the gun barrel flashes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. 
Uh, anyways, C3PO is awful, but I think I think I hate Naveen more just because oh. of that. Just because of that attitude, that arrogant attitude, and like oh. C3, C3PO has like a, a little bit of an arrogant attitude, but I more see him as kind of like a. I don't know. Uh, timid's not the right word, but uh, like a scaredy cat, kind of. Yeah, kind of like a scaredy cat. Like Eric was saying last week, the like calculate. I'm, I'm going to show you the odds. Like I cannot compute this adventure, and like he is confident in in a, in a way, but not to the level of Naveen. And I just don't like that. Uh, I, I like a humble. I like a humble king, uh, <laughs> and, and Naveen is not one of those. So Eric and Alyssa are breaking the tie. Oh my gosh. Great points. I know, great points. I, the point about Prince Naveen, like the points you made, Chris, made me think about like he's kind of like Beast in Beauty and the Beast, where, like, it's like, it's the job of the woman to like it like looks bad on the woman for not accepting them for being mediocre and being like horrible people, and it kind of like changes the narrative. Like if they had not been in the story, like the woman would have been fine. So I feel like for that <laughs> point, I would vote Prince Naveen as being the worst just because he's like ruining her, her plans or just like getting in the way of everything and being an like ego, egotistic maniac about it, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? C-3PO is so bad. <laughs> I feel like anyone who's seen, you have to like, there's something like human about Prince Naveen. It's like, there's a the message. The fact that he's a like, human. <laughs> right. There's, there's the humanity in him is what I'm saying. That we can kind of accept his flaws and be like, okay, well he's the flawed character. We see we see even Prince Naveen had this ability to influence the people around him. C3PO is just like a useless droid. Like like droids exist in the Star Wars universe to like help Jedi's to help the rebels to help them do their jobs and like c-3po as a protocol droid it, it just doesn't do anything he's like bad at being a droid and droids are programmed <laughs> to do a thing and then he he we get more and more like human-like qualities and then we're supposed to just accept the fact that like the jawa see first of all if the jawa see you as a god I don't know. Are you that great? Okay. <laughs> well, like, he's shiny. Like, that was my next point. Is he made sustainably? Is he made out of gold? If you're gold, that's something that on Earth would absolutely people would but would be would want that, right? So taking C3PO with you, you now have contraband. You have gold. You have riches. Leave him home. Don't <laughs> bring that him, much gold like with Chris you. Said. Trade him exactly. Get something. Get something valuable. Not a droid that like constantly tells. Your protagonist, Han, you can't do it. It's calculating <laughs> these odds. Like, no, leave him home. Leave the gold droid in the closet. Like, we can come back home, and he'll he'll be there when we come home. Yeah. We don't need bad energy. We don't need bad calculus. So, um, what do we do in that case? Do we rock paper scissors? <laughs> yeah, we're. Gonna I hate C three PO. No, you know, I hate C three PO too. <laughs> <laughs> I convinced her. I convinced her. I give it all that. I mean, I don't watch Star Wars, but like the few things I've seen. Been the most annoying part, and honestly, keeps me from watching the franchise and confuses me every time. So, 
All right. Alyssa flip flops and sends C three PO to the final four. Everyone just makes such great points. I don't know. <laughs> Caught in the middle. It's, it's all good. You can't go wrong with either of these losers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's hop over to the other side of the bracket where we have a ridiculous matchup. It is number fifteen Iago from Aladdin versus number seven Charlie Calvin. <laughs> From Santa Claus, I cannot believe, like, technically, technically what we've got down to is, like, a final eight worst Disney characters of all time. You're telling Charlie Calvin, <laughs> the, little, the little kid from the Santa Claus, is a top eight worst Disney character ever? Thousand period? percent. Thousand percent. <laughs> I, I it's like I get it's funny yes it's funny that he's up there but I just don't think that that's accurate like I'm oh, sorry he's the worst uh, <laughs> child Charlie I'm giving child Charlie a free pass in the first Santa Claus movie <laughs> like like I don't I don't agree with your children suck metaphor Kyle okay. I, I, Kyle one day I'm gonna have kids and, and they might have to stay back home in the nut when I come <laughs> over to to <laughs> podcast it. Your uh, house in Oakland. Yeah, I did, because they're going to suck, and I don't want to be around them. <laughs> Show them this podcast when, they, when they're born. Uh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be riding Jumbo Jr. on our own. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Family Disneyland trips. <laughs> Charlie in Santa Claus 2, though. <laughs> I don't get it. Acting up, acting out. <laughs> I don't get it from, like, like, how did you get to that point charlie like I'll, what happened in those years in between <laughs> uh, he says it he says it and it's what explains his worst qualities out of santa claus 2 is that from the moment of santa claus 1 until we see charlie again his dad's been gone <laughs> and he's like sad boy Charlie that his dad's been gone and he throws a fit about it in the Santa Claus 2 when Scott starts to date his principal <laughs> because he needs a, a Mrs. Claus and Charlie says my friends get to go around saying my dad's a plumber my dad's a pilot my dad's a dentist well you know what my dad is the best thing of all and I can't tell anyone about it <laughs> Oh, I remember that. Heartbreaking. <laughs> My whole life has become about secrets and I hate it. <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed on my right butt cheek. What a, what a, what a first world privileged person problem <laughs> to be like, you know what sucks about my life is I can't tell people what my dad does for a living. It's bringing me down. I can't talk about my dad who is the greatest human being who has ever existed in time. I get free toys forever. <laughs> my dad theoretically can never die and I am upset. And also like isn't isn't one of the like main like drivers of the plot in Santa Claus 2 that Charlie doesn't believe in Santa anymore or he like doesn't want to but his dad Santa. He's <laughs> no the driving plot was he got put on the naughty list. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because yes. we are introduced to him and he's spray painting the school gym and gets caught doing it. And isn't he, like, isn't he spray painting? Boy. Isn't he spray painting like a Christmas tree with an X through it? Yep. 
So he's on direct. this like he's like on this like very punk like anti Christmas <laughs> campaign, right? Like nothing's more punk than being anti Christmas. It's true. <laughs> punk rock hates punk rock Charlie. Christ, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Where does Jesus fit into the Santa Claus two movie? <laughs> How come he what never did, showed up to the North Pole and was like, Charlie, this is what not is, what the reason is. What does what does Jesus Cheer think up, about Charlie? Cheer up, Charlie. What does Jesus think about Scott Calvin? What's, where does Scott Calvin fall on Jesus's radar? Oh God. Maybe Charlie is just really like very pro Christianity and is upset with how Christmas has become like a commercialized holiday. <laughs> Maybe Charlie's the son of God. <laughs> Charlie is Jesus this entire time. <laughs> no to Christmas, yes to Christ. No to Christmas, yes to Christ. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, gone off the rails. Calvinist Christians, those are those are things, right? <laughs> it might be a reference. <laughs> we found uh, some major Easter eggs out of the house. Uh, films god anyways um charlie is going up against iago who uh voiced by gilbert godfrey a lot of the issues <laughs> i had with um iago in the last round was just that the the, the comedic performance wasn't great um and i just find just find the character inherently annoying um, not really for a whole lot of like story reasons or character reasons. I just can't stand him being on the screen. And like, I, I really don't have a whole lot of problems with Charlie. Like this has been a fun <laughs> conversation about like the ways in which he sucks, but like, I, I have to go with Iago. See, this is where like, you're like, Oh, it's funny that Charlie Calvin is here. And I've been like, yeah, it's super funny, but Aladdin's definitely the worst character. So he's going to move on. But Y'all messed it up, and now we can't move <laughs> Aladdin on. So I'm moving Charlie on. We just talked about why Charlie's the worst with his, like, very privileged problems, and he's he's acting out, and he's just, you know, there's a, there's a motive to Scott's madness. And I, like, yes, he was made Santa Claus, but he also can't deny the santa claus ship that was like the entire thing of santa claus one is that like he's it now like he he has to be he has to be santa claus he tried to not be and we see that's the whole comedic point of the first santa claus movie is scott denying it but then like the next morning gaining a bunch of weight he's trying to you know all all of that stuff so charlie's just got suck it up and stop being a big baby about it. Your dad is Santa Claus. He, here we go. <laughs> Charlie instigated the killing of the first Santa Claus because okay. he, okay. he, on this list. he hey, <laughs> hey, he was, he was an accomplice in murder <laughs> by telling his dad that something's on the roof. Shut up and go to sleep like we all did. If you heard something on the roof, you're not supposed to say anything because then Santa won't come. <laughs> and Santa nearly didn't because you killed him by sending your dad out there and your dad killed him unfortunately and now your dad has to be him life for life Charlie that's gang life that's Santa Claus gang life Charlie so Iago is a villain and I don't think that villains belong on this 
Where's Disney character bracket? Because they're supposed to be that way. They're supposed to be annoying. They're supposed to be infuriating. They're supposed to drive these drills into our ear holes. I don't think Iago even belongs here. Charlie Calvin's moving on for me. That means we're going to a tie break to Eric and Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) Great points. Great points. I mean... I didn't think we had that much to say about Charlie, but I stand corrected. But I still really feel like I hate Yago. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Mainly because, like, we already have a villain in that movie. We have Jafar. And Yago's just kind of, like, there being the villain's sidekick, but doesn't, like, offer too much. And, in fact, is just more annoying than any, like, anything productive. I don't know how you feel. I, I definitely understand the argument of he's the villain. Like, I'm also in the back of my brain. I'm seeing like the very powerful, elite, worst person of being Peter Pan in the back of my head right now. And I'm like trying to create one of these people to be that power standoff in the final two. So without without thinking too much about the final two, I'll I'll um. <sighs> I'll advance Iago as well. We, we gotta we gotta put a villain up against Peter Pan in order to try to take down this. So I'm trying to not let Peter Pan win this bracket in a turn of events. And I think the best the best person potentially is to team up with that villainy and say, okay, well Iago is the best bet at defeating is best bet at defeating Peter Pan later. Charlie versus Peter is my dream conversation. <laughs> and that has just been stolen from me. <laughs> to be replaced by Gilbert Gottfried. All right. Let's move on to this next this next Elite Eight matchup. It's number three, uh, Geppetto versus number six, Judy Hopps. Y'all made a lot of good points about Judy Hopps and like her um gung-ho-ness to being the the best at everything and putting kind of her achievements above everything else the notoriety of police work above morality of police work um yes it that is the worst um and when it's matched up against geppetto who is just this you know new dad who was given a a boy a, a newborn boy who can walk and talk and you know imagine uh a f- i don't know how old is pinocchio we think like <laughs> like eight maybe <laughs> we need like like in human years and like eric how is his cortex how's the cortex looking on pinocchio he's a wooden not boy great. he came not out great. not great well, so not, not we think we think he's like seven and then he got like tricked by a bunch of the 12 year olds at pleasure island to like drink and smoke with them so he's probably like seven because they look 30 something to him right like chris's <laughs> kindergarten buddy so geppetto was given this like functional human he's not he's four hours old but he's seven years old in time right so like geppetto's thinking you can talk and you can walk you can go to school which is yes wrong in judgment but i get it i wouldn't send like my four hour old infant to school the first moment i get him but 
I get his his mindset. He doesn't want Pinocchio to fall behind. You don't want your kid to fall behind in school. He's already missed out on seven years, apparently. He's got to go catch up. But Judy Hopps is just ignorant to any other force around her. And she's not afraid to, like, show that. So when she's, like, gung-ho on catching... Uh, uh, Weaselton, right? That's the joke. It was uh, Wesselton in Frozen, same voice as Weasel, Weasel something in in Frozen. He's like the the evil guy, or he's like the weasel that steals something, and Judy Hopps chases him down, and they end up in that like hamster town, and it gets destructive. Anyways, my point is that she has no. Regard for hamster life going through that hamster town because Zootopia she's so- is such a stupid movie. <laughs> just like, the way you're describing it, it's just like this is a lunatic made this movie. This okay, so you it- got this weasel who stole some turnips and he goes into a hamster village, and the bunny makes- police officer must chase them. Out of context, Zootopia, Zootopia is buck wild. Like, what are we even talking about? When you're watching it, you're like, this is very immersive. This is world building. We we can get it. But when I'm talking about it, yeah, it makes close to zero sense. Anyways, she almost destroys this hamster town all to capture this weasel that stole some turnips. And it's that kind of just blind go after the prize sort of thing, go after the capture, get the bad guy and not and not worry about the things around her that carries that follows her around throughout the entire film until basically the very end when she has to have this eye opening moment where she's like fired from the police force, right? She has to like go back home. Um so I didn't pass Judy on last time, but I think I'm gonna pass her on this time. Geppetto we get we just get a lot more worse moments out of Judy than we do Geppetto. Geppetto is such a minor part of Pinocchio, the very beginning and then the very end. Judy is just kind of awful up until the very end. So I'm going to go number six. It's really not about justice for Judy Hopps. It is really about her own glory. Mm-hmm. And her that's kind of like demonstrated by her backstory. She was bullied a lot. She was told by a lot of people that she could never be a bunny police officer. Because she's just a dumb bunny. Even her parents, like when she literally was a bunny police officer, (laughs) are out here like, thank God you're only giving parking tickets because we feel like you probably can't do other stuff. So she is really out to prove to everyone that she knows that she can do it. And in my experience, that's a very dangerous place to be when you hinge your happiness on the way others perceive you. And if her backstory was something like Peter Parker's backstory, Mm -hmm. where a bad guy killed your uncle, And now I'm going to make it my life goal to make sure that that tragedy never happens to someone else again. That's when it's about justice. For Judy Hopps, it is just not about that for her. Geppetto is a very irresponsible father. 
That's just, that's just, it is what it is. Very irresponsible father. And he puts Pinocchio's life in danger with his behavior. And, and then that is awful. But so many people's, so many more people's lives are in danger with Judy Hopps on the police force. <laughs> yes, than, that's what I'm saying. Like, and and sure I'm coming around to I'm coming around to this. When I first saw Judy Hopps on here, I'm like, is she that bad? But like in discussing it, it's like, ugh, like this is kind of like this character maybe is like not as like morally great as maybe I perceived her the first time I saw Zootopia. I really am like, I, I roll my eyes at Geppetto a lot. And like, he is super annoying to me, particularly the thing about the window. Um, and he is just... <laughs> bothers you a lot. He's like the kind of person you don't want to spend time with because they're just going to be like a like a Gale the Snail from Always Sunny, just like annoying, glomming onto you all the time, <laughs> bringing down the vibe at all times. So I'm going to agree and advance Judy Hopps to the final four here. Interesting. Uh, Alyssa and Eric, do you agree? Yeah. No comparison, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. I'm, I'm, this should be make that should make for an interesting conversation <laughs> versus Judy Hopps. That should be a good one. I do think it's funny to think about in Pinocchio. Geppetto doesn't give any additional like thought into how he just did what he done did to Pinocchio, right? There's something there's something weird about him not understanding how he just granted sentience and livelihood <laughs> to a puppet that it's that almost means Geppetto is like, he doesn't under, like he, he's not evil. He's just trying, has that hope and that belief that he can have a son. So I think, you know, his, his motive is different than Judy Hopps. I, I hear that Judy is like, you know, my ambition is everything. And I will put, I'll put the, the fox at risk. I will put other people in harm for my ambition. You go in the worst category to me. How slow of a night was it for the blue fairy to have to come to grant Geppetto's wish out of everyone that was wishing upon a star? Like he's like, I just wish I, I wish my puppet was a real boy. And she's like, well, out of all the wishes tonight, that's probably the most viable. I'm going to go down there and just make that one happen. Like how did Geppetto get chosen? This is a side question, but Pinocchio was, when he would like gain sentience, he he was a puppet still, right? Like he he didn't look like a real boy. No, he had gear. Not till the he end. Had, like both, like okay. Wood planks overlapping. He had no very strings. creepy. He got to do all of the puppet things <laughs> right. in, in Stromboli's show because he was a puppet that acted like a real boy. But we never see real boy Pinocchio these days. Maybe yeah. Geppetto was just scared. Because that's fucking creepy. Like, yeah, sl- you know what? I slept on it, and this is kind of weird. So you should probably go to school. Yeah. Wow. It's a Frankenstein go to twist. We uh, <laughs> we uh, we talk about Disney parks characters on this podcast, and and in editing some of the signatures episodes, 
I got to thinking about like the idea that Woody is seven feet tall. And it's like, what, if, like what if technology advanced to the point where they could do like a remote control Woody who is like toy sized and they could make him like run around the park oh like buzz. Um, and I was like, wouldn't that be so like real and immersive? And then I was like, just now, like, what if they hired like a seven-year-old to put on a Pinocchio costume and just be like walking next to the Geppetto and like not announce it, just like put him out in the park one day and people be like, what? <laughs> Anyways, oh um, you can have that idea, Disney royalty-free. Yeah. That 805 is giving you fever dreams over there. <laughs> All right, let's move over to the first final four matchup. Uh, who will go to the finals? It's number one, Peter Pan versus number five, C-3PO. Eric, you were looking for that knight in literal shining armor <laughs> who would emerge from the battlefield, from the fog, to take on and potentially take down Peter Pan. And for me, that person is C-3PO. And let me tell you why, folks. Something we often ask ourselves on the Mouse Madness podcast is, did that movie actually happen? Or was it a, manifest <laughs> or was it a manifestation of that character's imagination? Yeah. I think Peter Pan is a terrific movie to have that conversation. Um, is Peter Pan just Wendy? Is my question. I don't think so because she, when she returns home and her parents get back, they look up into the sky and see clouds that look like the ship. And her dad has this realization moment of, I've seen that ship before. In fact, I remember being on it. Like he, he had also gone to Neverland. It is that kind of metaphor for the loss of child innocence. Um, so I, I think that since her dad recognized it and had been there, since her dad had recognized it, that he had been there, which makes me think that this was an actual thing that happened. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and my rebuttal to that argument is Captain Hook and Mr. Darling. Same voice. Same voice actor. But also... We get the reaction from the dog who saw all this crazy stuff go down, was finally released from the yard and goes rushing back up the stairs to, to see if the kids had returned. The dog is... The, the dog is more human than the humans. It's established early on in the movie. The dog, the dog is a red herring. The dog is oh like... My God. They did some weird stuff with that thing that just forget about Nana. <laughs> No, uh, I won't. Uh, uh, the moon. The moon is the the face of Big Ben. That they they do like a little match on graphic in oh. one edit where like they're focused on the moon and then it like fades into Big Ben. Yeah, which so fades like, into the clock in the house. Right. So this is just another like mm. thing that makes me think Wendy was just sleep. She was just asleep. Hmm. And all of the things that we hate about Peter Pan, his misogyny, his irresponsibility, <laughs> his unwillingness to accept others, 
his stubbornness, his self-centeredness, his aggressive racism is all just Wendy. Damn. So Wendy's the worst. Wendy's on this list. That's that's what I'm trying to say. It's like she missed, <laughs> missed the dance, Wendy Darling. Um and like, no, this is not like a this is not like me trying to be a joke and a troll on this matchup. This is what I actually think this movie is about. Sure. Like I think this is you said it. It's like a manifestation of like the imagination. And like this movie is Wendy Wendy having a dream about staying young forever while her parents very irresponsibly leave her home alone with the dog to take care of them. Uh, so therefore, I'm disqualifying Peter Pan. <laughs> I, well, no, because none of, none of these characters are, are real. It's still a movie that they're real, happens they're real to within, us. They're real within their own universe, and, and Peter Pan is not real within his own universe. <laughs> It's <laughs> we're talking about worst Disney character. Peter Pan is definitely a Disney character that we watch <laughs> as humans in this Wendy world. Dar- <laughs> Wendy Dart replace P- anytime Peter no, Pan comes up in anything, I don't see replace when- her with Wendy. <laughs> I won't. And from now on, every time I see a picture of the character formerly known as Peter Pan, I'm gonna say, there's All Wendy. Right. Here's the thing. If we see Wendy and Peter in the parks when we go together, then you need to explain this theory to those face actors. Have you ever seen Fight Club? Oh, so they're all, yeah. I got you. So you think Peter Pitt is a Fight Club situation. Okay. I could, I could. They're both I, Wendy. They're both, sorry, spoilers for Fight Club, but they're both Wendy, darling. Yes. Don't watch Fight Club because there's a Wendy. Okay, then how. How do the boys also remember this trip to Neverland if it all happened in Wendy's head? The the resolution of the film is also Wendy's grogginess as she awakens from the dream. Oh my god. I and she just she just thinks that her siblings said that. I'm so upset. Well, even if she did imagine all of this, Peter Pan is still part of... He's still a Disney character! It's still part of the it's story. It's, it's still, still Wendy. And it's it's not Wendy. Wendy, but it's her dream. Like, it's just I have dreams of really demented things, but that doesn't mean they're me. It just means my brain is like processing those things. So <laughs> so Chris is saying if we choose Peter Pan, that's the equivalent of like a person getting mad at their partner for cheating on them in a dream, but that person <laughs> didn't actually... Is that, is that like, now, now we're getting somewhere. Now, now we're getting somewhere. All bets are off in dreams. Now we're getting somewhere. This is wrong. No, she didn't. She she didn't have control over the things Peter Pan was doing in her dream. It was just. It was just. It just happened. But see, Peter Pan is still a character. It was and it, and it was just just Wendy not knowing a whole lot about boys her own age. I'm proceeding with this bracket under protest, Chris. <laughs> um, and like all of that being said, C-3PO is also the worst. Like, yeah, he not only does he not serve a purpose uh, in the Star Wars universe. Like, there's never a moment where like C-3PO saves the day. There's never a moment where everyone sits around and is like, "Thank God C-3PO was there, or else we would have been." Out of luck, except maybe in Return of the Jedi when he does the Ewok stuff. But 
you'd be hard pressed to find someone who's like, who's your favorite Star Wars character? C-3PO. C-3PO's dope. Love C-3PO. <laughs> Couldn't imagine Star Wars without him. Uh, he also robbed, straight up took in Rex. Took his job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, total nepotism move. Was like, uh, this is my job now, Rex. Sorry, you're going to have to go spin some tunes at Olga's Cantina. <laughs> I don't think that's how that went down. I'm going with C-3PO. Star Wars is something that I like, something that's important to me, and C-3PO pisses me off a lot. So sending him to the finals in the upset over the imaginary Peter Pan that's not even real. <laughs> well, you know I'm a big Star Wars guy, so I understand your, your pain with C-3PO uh, because like you, I've seen the movies many times and I've had to encounter C-3PO a lot, but uh, you're you're wrong about Peter Pan not existing <laughs> enough for to be on this bracket. He is a Disney character. I don't, don't, don't even, don't even interrupt me with the, it's just Wendy. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that it's just Wendy. I, that, I, no, no. And her, her grogginess with her brothers also knowing is like, is a great cop out great argument i see it but it's not it's not true this is a this one goes to peter pan c3po is annoying but he's not malicious and i think that peter pan has a little bit of maliciousness behind him he's reckless in the way that he proceeds he allows he doesn't interfere with the mermaids when they are drowning wendy until wendy is screaming out for peter like he's not keeping an eye on that stuff He's disregards his missions when it comes to Tiger Lily. Like he is just not a great character. The one seed has to go on for me, which means, listen, Eric, you're breaking the tie. I don't, I feel bad. It's not a, it's not a choice for me. It's definitely Peter Pan. Um, <laughs> I could keep on Peter Pan. Um, it's very unsafe. If you're going to go up in high elevation, such as flying, Wear a jacket, don a jacket, put on more clothes. You know, you know what happens when you get up that high? You start getting lightheaded and you start thinking some crazy things like manifesting little flying boys in your brain. <laughs> that, that's, that, I hear that. I don't, I, I have to let Peter Pan move on. I, it, inexcusable behavior on his part. I don't know if I'm ready to take the stance that Peter Pan is an imagined is a manifestation of Wendy. Alyssa, are you ready to say that? No, but I do think he's got major like cult leader potential in how he's so manipulative and um, has these kids jump out a window. Like, he's <laughs> um, got a punchable face. <laughs> All of the like um, cultural references of Peter Pan have not been great. We just saw 21 Jump Street and, <laughs> and it was horrible <laughs> uh, when they played Peter Pan. So just yeah. like, yeah, I think I think it's right for him to, to move up as the worst for sure. All right. Well, speaking of uh, cops being in places they shouldn't be, I'm going to advance Judy Hopps. Just that like was a little that 20, was a good segue. You like that? that a nice good. segue. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've tried to get rid of Iago this entire time. I don't think that Iago belongs here. I don't think he belongs on this bracket. Judy hops to the finals for me. Iago had an easy draw, really easy draw. Uh, so I, I'm agreeing. Judy hops to the finals. Eric and Alyssa, you good with that? 
Yes. Absolutely. This should be. This will be interesting. <laughs> this is okay. So, <laughs> so, so frustrating. So, so no, it's not. It's not hard at all. It's Judy Hopps. The worst <laughs> Disney character of all time is Judy Hopps, because not only is she a poorly developed Disney character, <laughs> in that her motives are unjust, like I talked about last round, could have given her something a little bit more personal to make her adventure into this profession of criminal justice a little bit more like tasteful, fulfilling, uh, good spirited, kind hearted. Uh, and I think that may, that maybe would have gotten me to get behind Judy hops a little bit, but she's like you said, Kyle, she'd be like, you got to write a hundred tickets today. I'm going to write 200 tickets today. Like clearly justice is not your concern here. Your concern is to advance your own career, no matter what the cost is. You mentioned throwing the pen over the fence to pretend that there's evidence, constantly defying the orders of her superiors, uh, trying to frame people that don't really have any, uh, they're not really doing anything wrong legally. For example, Nick uh, is selling these lollipops and she's like, you know, you can't do this. And he's like, I got a permit, like I'm good. And she's like, well, you've been paying your taxes. Oh, <laughs> You know, like a sting operation. Ah, I don't know. Just not here for it. So the, the character development's not great from just a movie-making perspective. But she, but she has real-world uh, responsibility within the world of Zootopia to do right by its citizens. And she falls tail-first into solving this crazy crime, organized crime... Uh, uh, like government conspiracy thing. She does it. She saves the day technically. Yep. Um, but it is, ways. I just don't, I just don't like her method that she goes about it. It's not, we have as a society, I think decided that the vigilante justice thing is not it. <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> like let everything go through the proper channels. And, uh, and don't be the hero in that way. Peter Pan doesn't have any impact in the world around him because the world around him is not real. It is just, <laughs> a, it is just a dream. It, it is there and it's gone in the blink of an eye. Uh, the world is the same as he left it. Um, and really, it's just Wendy uh, coming to the realization that she can grow up but stay young at heart at the same time. So this is really a movie about Wendy. They should rename the movie. Windy Darling. And they should rename the attraction Windy Darling's Flight. <laughs> they should probably think about rebranding the peanut butter as well. Windy Darling. Uh, so I got Judy Hopps, Kyle. All right. Well, um, I, I... Listen, your argument is fun your argument is plausible. I'll take it. But but Peter Pan is still a Disney character, like for sure, whether he's made up in somebody's mind or not. Um, and in either case, he has no redemption art. He's not redeemed for being the selfish person that he is. He still is, his motive is still, not to save the children it's still to defeat hook 
I mean, it's he does it still in a very one. One thing that I didn't bring up yet is that Peter's showboatiness in his fighting infuriates me. There's many times in which everything can just be done and he is pulling pranks as opposed to getting a job done. That is his aura. That is who he is. And that is annoying and not as funny as maybe he thinks it would be to everybody else. It's like, yo, Pete, we're in like real danger here, dog. Stop pulling Hook's hat over his head. Like, that's not what we, we need to get out of here. And he wants to just showboat and show off the entire time. And there's, there's no, he, there's no learning. Lost boys are still going to be there. They're going to still, he's going to still lead them as his little leader. He's still going to play this like really racist game of cat and mouse with the natives on the island. Like mm, not into it. Number one seed for a reason. He takes the crown in my opinion, which means for a like fourth consecutive bracket, maybe <laughs> uh, we're going to have a, a tie break for the championship. Oh my gosh. I feel like this, this always happens with us. And then we've had to, team up and figure out if we both agree ourselves <laughs> oh man i think it's fair to say we've made some mouse madness listeners sweat a little bit <laughs> i'm sweating i'm sweating for sure over here <laughs> and i like everything with peter pan involved in the past two brackets have just been really hard decisions to make because there's such good arguments on either side but if we just look at peter pan's record of murder <laughs> of attempted murder of attempted murder of abduction abduction pedophilia ped- pedophile vibes and um, he's a thousand years old and is seeking out young children <laughs> i would call that yeah cult leader potential and manipulation versus judy hops who does have a redemption arc and does realize that she was ignorant and is learning um, from her from her uh, mistakes. There, there's definitely something heinous about Judy as well, though, which is like, <laughs> which is like the context of this is all happening, like with the people who are we're told should protect and serve, right? There's the ambition over benefits to people like that that it's in itself is of course really heinous and we could see i could see consequences of people like judy leading to a lot of scary things that you know could also be on a record list um well and to that like now i'm thinking like (laughs) our kids looking at judy as a role model and like our kids idolizing like the things she's doing as like you know, something to aspire to be. And I feel like that's what propaganda is. But this movie came out in 2016, like the peak of the tensions we're experiencing as a society. And um, so, yeah, it's just the context of both films. Peter Pan is very much a fantasy and there's a bunch of horrible things happening in that fantasy world. Yet Zootopia, well, it is also a fantasy because it's a, Freaking zoo <laughs> town. <No. laughs> I've been to Zootopia, dude. That's <laughs> like the the context of it is very like real and like 
I mean, kids know it's not just about animals. It's about diversity and and race and I don't know that you know that kind of stuff. So <sighs> take it away, Eric. <laughs> okay, we'll just do it. Oh boy. Okay, let's do <laughs> we'll it. We'll just do it. Never mind. <laughs> We're we'll gonna just, just do, do it. it. And the answer is what I'm about to say, and it's it's Peter Pan. Peter Pan. <laughs> Is, I thought I, I had you. I can't get over. I can't get over his rap sheet. I can't get over some of these <laughs> the things you've led people to do. It's it's. I think I think it had Chris not like proposed this idea that Peter Pan and really threw movie, us for a loop. <laughs> it, it did. It made me think about this movie differently. So Chris, I have to. I have to like give acknowledge you for making me question that movie um i think i'm still gonna be mad at my boyfriend for cheating on me in a dream (laughs) (laughs) look like the way i see it is tired peter pan versus captain hook wired wendy versus the disdain she has for her own father (laughs) that's the real that's the real conflict that's happening in wendy's head when peter pan and captain hook are fighting Oh my god! Well, I wasn't planning on it really ever watching Peter Pan again, but now like, it makes me, it it makes me question. Just straight, straight up confused. Exactly. Oh but anyways, you know what? Can't win them all, folks. But we've done it. It was a long road. It got crazy in places, but we got to the place I think a lot of us expected to get, and that is by crowning the winner of the worst Disney character bracket the number one seed, Peter Pan, from Peter Pan. And uh, we're going to do, as we do in every episode, we're going to clap it out. Well, uh, Pete gets his banner in the Hall of Fame of Mouse Madness somehow, some way. He might have to share that with Wendy. Who knows? (laughs) This might have been a cheating situation to get that crown. He might have to put an asterisk next to his his achievement there but that was a lot of fun i didn't know that we would be able to talk (laughs) so much about these worst characters i'm glad we brought some theories to light i'm i'm glad that we know that charlie calvin ain't i'm glad that we're we're all on the same page about all this stuff it was a lot of fun he's a punk calvinist christian Oh my goodness. Well, Eric and Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us for these two episodes. That was a lot of fun and we hope you enjoyed it. Oh my gosh. You've given us much to think about. I think we're going to, we're going to need to watch some of these movies again and discuss, but thank you for having us. We had a blast as always. Always, always appreciate (laughs) being here with y'all. Thank you. All right, everyone, that does it for another Mouse Madness Bracket. You know how to reach out to us. If you have uh, some thoughts on some of the ideas we discussed, some of the matchups, some of the weird places we went, uh, or do you have a bracket idea of your own? Do you want to hop in and talk some of this stuff out with us? Do you want to do some co-hosting duties, some tie-breaking? Please email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. All of those are linked in the description of the podcast. And if you want to support us by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang on Patreon for some bonus Mouse Madness content like fun 
off the cuff, unscripted episodes, uncensored episodes, uh, voting on bracket topics, seasonal Disney trivia, uh, video episodes. It's a great time. Go to patreon.com slash madness. Till the next episode, folks. Off the Neverland! Like you,